everybody to the Easy Mojo Podcast. Today with us, we have a very special guest, but I should probably introduce myself first because otherwise we're going against our normal open. This is BG, Brain Gilronan, along with me, Daniel Peterson. All right. And like I said, our very special guest today is John Arthur Scheel, Esquire. Um, he is a multi-instrumentalist uh, musician. He's a band leader. Um, he's a husband. He's a father. Um, yet another handsome man. It seems like we only have handsome it's a folks role. on this show. <laughs> it's, it's a role. role. <laughs> You're all, everybody's beautiful. That's right. Um, and also the owner of J. Arthur Scheel Law Firm. Um, uh, we've known John, shoot, for years now. Kind of yeah. got us out of a pickle. Yeah. Um, a few years ago. Right, yeah. And we're really excited to have him on the show. So say hello. Well, hello, folks. Yeah, All that's right. J. Arthur Scheel and Associates. It's a little law firm run by myself, but there's a couple others in under the, the works. And um, I've got uh, some of-counsel relationships with other law firms. So it's kind of a boutique practice. Mm. Uh, but as you all know, I focus my marketing on the music world. Mm-hmm. And anything a musician touches, whether it be a DUI or a divorce or... <laughs> The actual stuff that we want to talk about, the copyrights, contracts, trademarks, and all of that Mm -hmm. that goes into how do I make music and turn my creative output into some input to my bank account. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's the the whole deal. Turning your creative ideas into an income stream is what, there's the whole reason I became a lawyer, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I worked Mm -hmm. uh, with Mind Ignition. strange funny coincidence i had uh, left a day job to start a recording studio and almost within i mean almost instantly met tiffany of mind ignition yeah. who introduced me to alex and billy mm-hmm. and uh they were playing for a guy named roscoe justice at the time and then shortly after that they were doing a whole lot with katie Ryder. Uh, but it was just funny. We had this conversation. I moved here to, to start a studio. And I said, mm-hmm. well, I just left my day job to start a studio. <laughs> no way. And then I met Alex and it was like, you play guitar? I play guitar. Wow. Cool. Uh, did we friends just, now. Did we just become best uh, friends? You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a stepbrothers moment. Um, awesome. <laughs> but uh, then then it was like, well, these guys are doing stuff with, uh, they were doing a, an album with Freak Bass and Mike Gordon flew in and uh, played a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. And um, I could just see that where I was going and where they were going were, were really well aligned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and about nine or 10 months into that sort of collaborative effort, I found out I was going to be a dad. So this is mm-hmm. over 15 years ago Oh wow! and uh, had to kind of make a switch. And I remember talking to Alex one late night over some bourbons and, and saying, you know, well, what skill can I really add? Cause as mm-hmm. a band leader, you know, bands fall apart all the time. It's, yeah. it's a tough gig mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. a live sound guy. You know, you're, you're still always kind of grinding, looking for the next mm-hmm. gig. And what skill set could I offer? Uh, you guys have a studio. I have a studio. Everybody has a studio. Um, you know, what is it that I could do? And Alex said, well, you know, if I was going to go back to school, I would go for law because mm-hmm. none of these motherfuckers that we know <laughs> have a lawyer. And mm-hmm. at the time they were, they were doing stuff uh, with, with a guy who, uh, had passed away now uh, a guy named steve gordon who did some licensing stuff yeah Mm -hmm. god rest his soul um he was up in new york and he had done stuff for mtv and sony and um and i have a cousin who is a a big time uh entertainment lawyer out in california um so the idea kind of was percolating um at the time you know just my life situation was changing uh and it was a skill set that i thought i could add Mm. to 
my bag of tricks to mm-hmm. uh, to help mm-hmm. people out. And you know, talking about being a man for others, um, I, that using all of my skills and talents for the service of my community mm-hmm. is really what. Uh, drove me to get the law degree and then immediately jump into creating my own firm, which is now eight and a half years old. Nice. And um, it was it was all labor of love, really. I mean, it was just to to be an asset and to bring great art to the world. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I've been trying to do for the past almost decade. Hell so. yeah, man. We appreciate it. Oh, Let, yeah. Let's take a quick <clears throat> step back, though. Where, uh, you know, we, it, you know, at the podcast, we always talk um, about inspiring people what inspires them and and we definitely have a focus on the cincinnati northern kentucky region um did you grow up here are you a transplant what's uh what's your backstory yeah so my parents came to cincinnati uh for a job that my dad had with ge and uh, i was born here i was um crazy enough my father started law school and because uh, his father before him was a lawyer, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and his father before him was a oh, lawyer, wow. and there's a whole bunch in the of lawyers. son, yeah. that's a lot of lawyers. <laughs> yeah, I have a, I've got a thing that they put together. In uh, my parents gave me when I graduated from law school, that's nine photos of of the Shield lawyers. Oh, so geez. men going back to 1845, I think it is. Jesus. Uh, so there's photos of of all of us on this little plaque. That is wild. They they call it the Pettifoggers, uh, and it's in its <laughs> third edition. And a Pettifogger is this old time term for what we would know as a, a better call Saul kind of a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> so it's sort of a family joke, like the you know yeah we we may not be great, but we're you know, we're we're doing it. We're yeah, out there. We're out the there fighting the fight. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that I was actually uh, my dad was sworn into the Ohio bar a month to the day before I was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But my parents were transplants from from New York City. Uh, they grew up on the same street. It was mm-hmm. kind of a leave it to Beaver kind of world oh, for wow. them. Yeah. I mean, they, in the fifties, growing up, they they described their street as like Michigan Avenue in in Hyde Park. Sure, um, yeah. but they moved and uh, bought the house that they still live in a wow. month after I was born. So I was. Wow kind of really idyllic childhood out in Anderson Township, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. growing up with kids, going to Maddox and Guardian Angels. And uh, I went to Mercy Montessori for a little while, then mm-hmm, Guardian yeah. Angels, and then St. X, mm-hmm. and then Miami. And then I took some time off from school, and I sure. went out in the world and uh, tried to be a rock star for a little while. Hell um, yeah. Watched some friends of mine go do great things. Ovalopus became uh, Scarlet Kings. Mm-hmm. With uh, some alumni there playing for Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, of course the guys in Greenlight Morning are, uh, well, Aaron uh, Patrick is was the lead singer of that whole group. But they're out there doing it now, writing great songs, yeah. and uh, so working with those guys. But also just all along the way, always wanting to be a part of music. And I mean, I remember recording on my first like Fostex tape, you know, mm-hmm. four track, oh, baby, you know, high school and. Yeah covering like Clapton tunes and trying to get them to sound exactly like he did, yeah. you know, on my little four track. Um, and then studying a little bit of music at Miami, but it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of one of those things where my parents were like, uh, you know, you really need some skills of <laughs> something else to back up this whole music thing. We know you love this. Yeah. But, but... you'll end up under a bridge. kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. Every so, parent's fear. It's yep. So I was, I was kind of, I was encouraged on one hand by my mom and discouraged on the other hand by my dad, which I think that competing hmm. forces mm-hmm, led me mm-hmm. to realize that I do need to have 
some some business uh, acumen to mm-hmm. kind of make it in this world because mm-hmm. it is you know it is it is hard as everybody has seen it's it's a it's a tough road it's to a hoe tough biz yeah and yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up here in Cincinnati and. Uh, I've just been inspired by everybody who's played here, come out of here, gone on to do great things. Um, but also the guys who are still grinding. I mean, look at the Bluebirds. Those guys, there's just some monster, monstrous talent in that group. Yeah. Uh, from Bam Powell to Marco Sastry, Bob yeah. Nyswanger, uh, Charlie Fletcher, and, and all of the cast of characters that has come in and out of that group. Uh, I mean, I've been looking up to those guys since I discovered who they were in the mid nineties and, um, just really watching some, some powerful playing and yeah, they're killer. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that I've been inspired by a lot of people. As we talked earlier, I went and saw the grateful dead a ton when I was a kid and, uh, that I know Dan, you're doing some reading on their, their marketing. Yeah. They're marketing. I'm not a, yeah, the music's not much for me, but I've, checking out their marketing schemes well that's heard it's a good certainly one way that um that a jam band can make it is go out there and grind and i've watched that whole scene since you know when i i saw 23 grateful dead shows before jerry died damn and um that was a high school labor of love Mm -hmm. uh, try and get away and go see the shows as often as i could and not just for the scene but for uh live improvisational music that's what Mm -hmm. drew you in yeah And from a technological standpoint, from a live sound standpoint, from from th- th- so many aspects of that business model just really attracted me. As well as the fact that at that time, it was sort of the last remnants of the 60s, you know, this, oh, this yeah. era of psychedelia, but also of peace, love, and, uh, you know. Right. That feeling. Yeah. yeah. Stuff that really I think uh, we all ought to look at. How do we, how do we be kind to one another? You know, yeah, yeah, sure. So, amen to that. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but I did run for Congress a couple of years ago. Really? Yeah, I, I did not know that, that for Congress <laughs> in Ohio and in Kentucky. Ohio. Yeah, I ran in the primary for the Ohio, uh, the the Ohio second district congressional district seat that's held by Brad Wenstrup. Oh wow, damn um, man. So yeah, I, I thought you meant like like running for state. You were going for no, the yeah. I I jumped in sure. uh, at a at a big level. It was eight counties, five uh, full counties, and three half counties, mm-hmm. and that's uh, Ohio too, which mm-hmm. really stretches from Mount Adams all the way out to Portsmouth. And because that makes sense. Yeah, it's very. <laughs> that's, it's, a, that's a sidetrack. Yeah. That's for another. That's for a different. Yeah. We could talk a lot about gerrymandering <laughs> and what I learned there, but I, yeah. I think when you go through law school, as I did, well, and just to back up a second, I went to law school at night. Um, yeah, I was going to say. Just, yeah, let's. Yeah, tell, tell us about that because yeah. you you mentioned you had that, graduated yeah. college, right? Yeah, I graduated. And then, then it was a while later. Then it was a deadhead thing, right? And playing music. Well, I honestly, I came back to Cincinnati and I was looking to create a band. Yeah. And I was looking to go back to Italy. I lived mm-hmm. in Italy when I was in college two summers. It was nice. a fantastic program through That's Miami. Um, I, I started Miami speaking nothing, uh, but I had studied Latin at St. X. Oh, sure. And then I ended up taking Latin, Greek, French, and Italian at Miami. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I studied Italian um, and got to a level of fluency that um, I would say few people in a 
average collegiate program get to yeah, without sure. without going in country. But mm-hmm. I, I was able to go for two full summers in a very intensive advanced program that Miami has in a little town called Urbino, Italy. Okay. And uh, it's the birthplace of Raphael the painter. Oh, damn. It's an awesome example of Renaissance art architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool walled city. Hmm. Uh, it was it was a fantastic life changing experience, I'll but bet. it was it was a fuel for my music and yeah. inspiration. And uh, I, for a lot of years, I was trying to go back there. I, I got into a an Italian language program at Middlebury okay. uh, for um, a master's degree in Italian studies. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. deferred, and then I mm-hmm. got a job with a company that was actually importing marble from Italy. Um, well, I had. I got out of college and didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. Ended oh, sure. up, uh, for a couple of years, I worked for Fidelity Investments. Um, I started off at Joseph Beth, though. The, I'm going backwards. Oh, in dude. Time, but I worked at uh, uh, Barnes & Noble for a while. I, that bookstore life was awesome, honestly. I, I loved it. <laughs> it I loved that shit. Really it was why? very what, what, cool. Just... Just nerd out about books and music and just talk to people about that all day. And, you know, your worst customer service complaint is, oh, you don't have that or, like, whatever. You know, (laughs) I'm like, this is is great. Yeah. Well, and Joseph Beth had a really high level of customer service. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, bend over backwards to help you kind Mm -hmm. of a a place. So that's kind of where I I got my first little job out out of college. And I was translating some stuff from French and Italian into English. And I was teaching Italian on the side, and I was teaching guitar, and I was trying to form a band, and I was just doing a million things just to mm-hmm. kind of stay loose in this sort of gig economy before find we call it that, but yeah. try and find a way sure. to have a band and, yeah. and, and go out and play. And the whole goal was, well, when I form a band, I'm going to get on the road, and I'm going to go do this thing. Live that life, yeah. And just things had a way of twisting and turning. Mm-hmm. After about a year of working at Joseph Beth, I got an opportunity to go work for Fidelity Investments. I learned finance. I mean, I was a classics major at mm-hmm, Miami, mm-hmm. so I studied Latin and Greek and art yeah. and architecture and all this stuff, and I had an Italian minor, but I lived in Italy, and the two summers that I spent there got me so many credit hours that I actually had more credit hours in my minor than my major. Oh, damn. Um, and I took a bunch of music, and I you know, I was just really the sort of traditional humanities education, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. learn everything that went into, uh, you know, what what university used to be like hundred yeah, yeah. years ago or yeah. two hundred years instead ago? Instead of like yeah. it has to be results driven, you have to go into the specific business or engineering program kind yeah. of thing. And mindset. I think yeah, there were a lot of folks at Miami who were really looking at it from a return on investment standpoint. Oh and sure, maybe that was really wise on their parents' part, and my parents tried to steer me that way too. But mm-hmm. I was so artistic and so musically inclined that it was hard for me to figure out how that going to a business school and just mm. being a part of what they called J crew U at that <laughs> point, you know, fitting into the, the same model of everybody yeah. else. Yeah. But I tell you what, um, and this is a shout out to Miami. Um, they, you know, every one of my friends who went to OU said I, I, I would have fit in better there, mm, but sure. I, you know, being a unique person in a school full of what felt like at the time, like car- carbon copy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it meant that all the freaks found each other really easily. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all the architecture students, all the art students, all the music students, all of those folks uh, formed a really tight-knit community that was mm. kind of, we were the subculture um, that that was un- undercurrent. And these you know? are our people, yeah. Yeah, and all the gigs, you know, all the shows that you'd want to go to, I knew everybody in mm-hmm. the town, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it's a small town, so you end up knowing everybody. And mm-hmm. I had a bunch of friends who were townies and a bunch of folks who were behind the uh, 
St. Alfonso's Pancake Breakfast and all these great musicians <laughs> coming up from Cincinnati to play that. I remember oh, yeah. Ray's Music Exchange oh, played wow. that. Um, and so there was a lot of a lot of that cross-pollination with, with cool music coming up from Cincinnati and just being a Cincinnatian myself, I mm-hmm. still maintain some of that those roots. But Miami really provided me that opportunity to kind of find myself, even though you wouldn't think that... For some folks, it might lead them to more conformity or it might lead them down a different path. For me, it, it allowed yeah. me to find all the cool people, you know, That's really awesome. easily. You made the most of it, you know, big time. Made your own. Yeah, it was it was fun. And I think the the chance to go overseas and really broaden my horizons was was tremendously impactful. I mean, it, it, it played a role in every job that I had, Absolutely. even all the way up till today. I've done I've done some legal work for folks who have family in Italy and they need to an American lawyer who speaks Italian. Oh, sure. So there's that's a niche market. It's in, really in this area <laughs> very niche in this area. Yeah, but it's it's cool. It's it's one of those things that makes my job interesting and makes you know because uh, there are things about being a lawyer that are challenging and mm-hmm. it can be a daily grind just like everything else. Uh, but having certain skill sets that make it a little interesting, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah, man, it, it makes it fun. Uh, but that whole experience led me into everything else, really. I mean, I ended up having a job where I, I ended up speaking to uh, what I would consider the highest layperson in the Vatican's business organization, uh, this gentleman who really ran all of the properties that they owned, all the leases, all of the – anything they did commercial-wise. Mm-hmm. And he answered to the Cardinal of Finance, who answers to the Pope. So it was kind of a, a really a big deal. We um, – this company that I worked for imported marble from Italy and printed on it made coasters, clocks, wall murals, all sorts of stuff. Sure. And at the time, when I left Fidelity, uh, it was after September 11th had happened. Mm-hmm. There were three rounds of layoffs. It was a mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. environment to be in. Yeah. I started off in customer service where I was you know, getting calls coming in, yeah. and I was learning to, to be a trader, and I ended up getting to the point where I was trading stocks, bonds, options, mutual funds, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But really, you were on the phone, strapped to a, a phone, with oh, uh, strapped sure. to a computer with a headset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... So I had this, this – um, I started teaching this gentleman Italian like right after September 11th, um, which is a really wild story. I was due to go out to visit my sister in San Francisco on mm-hmm. September 12th. Oh, boy. And I was off for a vacation, and I slept through the whole thing. No it, the, the morning. Like I woke up at about 11. It was my first like vacation day. Oh, you know? okay. So I'd, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd crashed – at my parents' place that night, yeah. I woke up and it was like my phone had 25 messages and the phone just kept ringing and ringing and ringing and everybody's trying to call. And then I, you know, I answer the phone for my brother and he says, dude, isn't that crazy? And I said, I don't, I don't know, know what you're, what talking, you're about. talking about. <laughs> he said, man, you're the most uninformed dude on the planet. Turn on the TV right now. And wow. I turned it on and just got the entirety of the the morning of 9-11 compressed yeah. into one of those real right. you know, highlight reels or, or low light reels as you, yeah. know, you might want to call it but yeah. it was just a time lapse just a quick speed yeah. through everything that had happened that morning and um from that um uh, you know every, they say everybody's life changed a little bit on that day well that week i was supposed to be in san francisco and i was here and mm-hmm. I was looking for something to do, and my brother had shown me an ad that somebody had put out um, in the paper looking for an Italian tutor. And I ended up meeting the guy that hired me uh, a couple months later. I started, For the importing company. Yeah, okay. I started mm-hmm. teaching him uh, Italian, and he run a, ran a design studio. Really 
creative, unique guy named Mark Schmidt uh, started this company, Studio Vertu, and they mm-hmm. they're still selling their their coasters in Nest, nice. which is in Hyde Park. Oh, cool! And oh. Uh, it was a great two two plus years there that um, kind of emboldened me, I guess, to start my own recording studio, working with an, a creative entrepreneur who managed to create a product and take it all over the world. We did trade shows in uh, the United States mm-hmm. to sell to, to boutiques and, and mm-hmm. home and gift shops. But then we ended up licensing artwork from the Vatican Library. We were the first oh, American company. I was, like, was going to say, how did art? you end up talking to that guy? Yeah. Like the licensing. But yeah. he was also, he was already importing marble. Oh. Um, and he, he really knew that he was going to get this license. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of mm-hmm. like he had greater need for Italian language skills. Right, and he right. wanted to learn it himself. But, you know, I was, I was already master's degree yeah. level fluency. I mean, I, I had already spent two full summers there and had taken mm-hmm. more credit hours than my major. I mean, I was pretty advanced for for someone who was just starting out. Yeah, you know? and not, not um, many of that skill set just hanging around right. the yeah. town. Yeah. So I was able to kind of use those skills to help his business, but then um, that just the environment and the creative environment that he fostered there um, was – an inspiration for me to say, you know what, I can start my own business on the side, and, right? And I can do, I can do some stuff. I can do this. Yeah. So I created a recording studio LLC, and uh, I had been recording friends for years. I had been uh, just producing records uh, of my own, uh, you know, for a while, and had some singer songwriters who needed mm-hmm. a place to kind of throw up some mics and, mm-hmm. and do some stuff. And I and that was kind of the turning point for my parents that they could see that wow there's a lot that goes into this oh, and maybe right. oh, okay. this whole music thing is uh is a real thing yeah um now where, where was your studio at it was in golf manor in a house i just sold not too long ago oh, wow. um so it was in a basement studio and i had some fantastic musicians mm-hmm. a guy named dan walzer and another guy who still plays on this scene aaron jacobs they were two of my first uh, musicians who I brought in from UC to come record on a singer-songwriter uh, album. Hmm. And it was a great experience. It was really very, very cool. But then that led into meeting Mind Ignition. I, I, I literally left a day job to do that. And, and, uh, and sorry to interrupt really quick, but yeah. longtime listeners will recognize Mind Ignition because Billy McCarthy Billy Rock McCarthy was our yeah. first guest. Shout out, Billy. Yeah. We love him dearly. And all those folks. I mean, Mind Ignition... Yeah, we're we're working on a mind ignition podcast, like with everybody. Which mm-hmm. It's going to be tricky to get them all in here, but but we'll make it happen. I tell you what, we're coming there's for you. Some <laughs> some really great talent uh, right there. They're incredible in that. In that incredible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, through them, I've met a lot of great people. Yeah, in, including you know, just uh, there's been a, a hell of a lot of music and musicianship that have come through their doors, but. Just working with them uh, has led to a lot of opportunities. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just great people. Gosh, I can't think of yeah. a better crew, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So so you, you hooked up with them through your studio venture. Yeah, that really was a coincidence because I had left the day job to start this studio and work waiting tables downtown at, at taking, night. Taking a leap. And I, I really was. I was just I was mm. thinking this is, you know, I, I'd kind of done a few years of working for – somebody else and i really wanted to work for myself and i really wanted to focus again on my band getting out on the road doing some things but this was a skill set that i had honed a little bit and thought well i can turn this into some income i was pursuing all kinds of 
crazy ideas with it. Some voiceover work, some um, some music bed type work, some on hold music messaging. I mean, I was trying everything. I had joined Taxi for a year, so I was submitting songs, um, and that's really turned out well for some folks around mm-hmm. around town. Uh, Paul Otten is one I think who who sells a lot of. Uh, licenses a lot of music um and paul and i have just kind of passed it like two ships in the night oh, he went sure. to miami played it uh played a lot of shows at miami and got out just kind of ahead of me i was gonna say you weren't there at the same time we were just oh, for a little okay. bit but i think he's a year year or two older okay yeah um but great guy his brother plays drums and, and they ended up at a wedding of a of believe it or not my my wife I went to a wedding when we were just dating mm-hmm. and saw those guys, and um, it was a family wedding. It was one of the first occasions where her whole family was like, okay, we like this guy. <laughs> so it was, He passes the test. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just funny how all these things kind of connect. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know that we're really getting into the, the legal stuff. We're just talking about me. and uh, No, it's, well, it's, that's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. So, so, yeah, but, you know, you said We're that, getting close, I feel. We are getting yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah, you said we've, that we've, we've met. You know, go sorry that that uh, you know you were um, you were talking with with Alex and was saying of mine ignition. What would be the most helpful thing to to give to this community? I feel is like what the the vibe you were yeah you were that's, asking. That's really the direction that I think I, I kind of felt like that's where I needed to go. That mm-hmm. was the next step because. I just didn't at the time see that my band was going to be, you know, whoever I was playing with at the time just weren't going to be able to take the leap. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at being in a band for a long time as a as an exercise in self-sustainability. Mm-hmm. If you can, oh, sure. If you can keep it going, if you, you know, the band that gets paid together, and I say this to people now, the band that gets paid together stays together. <laughs> and if you're not getting paid enough, well, then you've mm-hmm. got to have the day job. And if your day job precludes you from going out on the road, then right. you're not going to be in that kind of band. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's, it, it really is a leap. <coughs> you can't, you're right. It's either you got to go in all the way or just kind of, have it as a hobby yeah you know what i mean which now, is cool it, it is cool if that's for what sure you, want, yeah. you know and there are some guys uh there's some great musicians who play in cincinnati every single night of the week and and i can look at their facebook page or their their whatever uh social media and i can see that they're out gigging five six seven nights a mm-hmm. week yeah. and sometimes you know it's it's they're doing two gigs on a saturday or they're mm-hmm. doing a church gig on a sunday and right. then playing sunday night it's it's a labor of love, and I think that being a musician yeah. is a state of being. It's not just a calling or a vocation or an avocation. It's it's something that if you're a musician, you are a musician. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's who you are. It's part of your identity. And so people will ve- be very reluctant to give it up, and they'll do all kinds of things to keep playing. Yeah, and, right. And that you know means showing up to the day job and grinding it out for years. Uh, right. I worked at Sun Chemical for for a while mm. um, in in a really cool environment where we put in uh, a software platform called SAP and launched it um, globally. So I was able to do some travel there. But I remember there's a bass player who who worked there, and he was there a long time. He's probably still there, mm-hmm. and he he's out gigging still every wow. weekend. And as he he was in Robin Lacey and Desidico. Chris Bachter, oh, wow. if you're out there, you're you're a bad dude. Shout out. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's people out there gigging all the time, and then there's the folks that that are really trying to go out and mm-hmm. and make it sort of quote unquote big time, and mm-hmm. and um, 
and I feel like in today's economy with everybody having their own home studio and everybody being able to put out a product, it's mm -hmm. not always the product that positions them well for the marketplace. And, and mm -hmm. you know, everybody can just sit in their home and record to YouTube. But mm -hmm. then that has created this sort of level of noise that's out there that mm -hmm. only curated podcasts or curated playlists get pushed, yep. you know, kind of to the forefront. And it's hard to be commercially successful in this industry when so many people are doing it in their basement right, and going right. straight to YouTube. Yeah. And while the one out of a million get discovered that way, hmm. um, it's really more like one in 10 million because right. there's just so there's many just so people. Like you said, yeah. there's the, that level of, you know, I don't want to say white noise, but it almost feels like that. Yeah. I mean, it's – and it's been like that a long time. I mean, you know, 1995 was kind of a watershed year for me personally because I graduated from high school. Uh, Jerry Garcia passed away, and the jam band scene opened up wide. I mean, oh, talk, yeah. to quote a fish song, I'm, <laughs> it split open and melt. I mean, it was just – there's just <laughs> this whole – thing where um, when the dead were no longer the main ticket draw and it was fish and everybody else <clears throat> you saw a huge resurgence of the almond brothers and interest in the almond brothers but not only that you've got all sorts of folks disco biscuits um dopapod mo uh i mean just widespread frantic wide, yes yeah. well who'd been around for a long time but yeah yeah but all of that everybody was like oh well i don't have to just go to the one show now oh, there's a million yeah. places to go and mm -hmm. and i think that opened up a lot of work for a lot of musicians mm -hmm. and festival promoters and and suddenly a few years later you're looking at bonnaroo coming on the scene i remember going to the very first bonnaroo really nice yeah i went to bonnaroo seven eight times uh before i uh, life has precluded me from getting back there in the summers. But uh, um, anyway, I've got an off-the-record story I'll tell you about a Bonnaroo sometime. But okay. uh, anyway, there's, there's I some... I love off-the-record stories. I know, right? Yeah. Some we really get... great stuff, though, there, you know? Um, and and an, an eclectic environment. And um, I, I, I want to say and just repeat the concept that that provided a lot of work for a mm -hmm. lot of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I think that's hmm. something that I've really been focused on over the past couple of years is how do how do I help musicians get the work and go out there and when they're doing it, mm -hmm. position themselves so that they know how to protect themselves. Um, and I think that's hmm. that's been a key focus. But then also how do they position themselves from, from a, you know, if I were a sort of a business consultant in a traditional world um, – how do I help them see their business and, and guide it to the right spot? Because being an attorney is also being a counselor and being a oh, guide. Yeah. And, um, and I, I look at a lot of podcasts and a lot of um, folks who have watched this industry change since 1995. And one of the other key things, and this is why I mentioned that year, is because that's really when Napster kind of hit. Oh, and yeah. so yeah. when you watch Napster take mm -hmm. over – and everybody can sort of think back, what was your first uh, experience with, you know, digital downloading? What did or, you download first? Yeah. yeah. Were you on LimeWare? Were you on Kazaa? Did you yep, file yep. share? Did you, did you, or, you know, because I was trading tapes to, to go back to the, the Grateful Dead marketing thing. But that yeah, was a, a big fucking leap, man. I mean, <laughs> but that, <laughs> yeah, right? that, that was yeah. a widely accepted practice for Grateful Dead fans. And, yeah. And yeah. Then but you, not for anybody else. No, yeah. exactly. Right. And then you've got Metallica then, suing their yeah, fans. Exactly. Yep. Right. You know, so that has yeah. totally had an impact on, oh, yeah. on this. And I think that at the time when I decided to go back to law school, which was somewhere 
maybe around 2005, mm-hmm. I had to take the LSAT again. I took it when I was a senior in college in 99. But it had already kind of, yep. yeah, there was five years mm-hmm, that it, mm-hmm. the score would work. So I ended up um, taking, just getting a couple of books from Joseph Beth and, and studying and taking the, the LSAT and getting one point less than I got the first time around when okay. I spent like $1,000 on some <laughs> Kaplan course. And I was, you know, in the study mindset of school and mm-hmm. everything. So I think I did okay. And that that uh, positioned me well for going to NKU, which, by the mm-hmm. way, I had mm-hmm. a day job. I had a child. I was not able to, to go traditional law sure. school full-time. Yeah you know, with the summers doing internships or whatever. Mm-hmm. I had doing to go nothing at, but law school, right? right? The, the, you had to go at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had to go at night. It took me four years as Talk opposed to three. Talk about a grind. Jeez, oh man. Yeah. And man. I had just settled my show no parenting thing where well, I had my daughter on Tuesdays and Thursdays mm-hmm. and every other weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my classes for the first two years were going to be a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it just sort of dovetailed. Worked out, yeah. I mean, it was it was a serendipitous. Really, <laughs> it was a precarious house of matchsticks <laughs> because any imagine, one man. thing could have knocked yeah. it all out of alignment. <clears throat> I remember thinking on the application for, for Chase Law School, which, by the way, started off as a law school um, and then affiliated with NKU. Oh. Uh, my dad actually ended up... Full, Did not know that. He graduated from there. Hmm. Um, he started at Fordham and then ended up, um, you know, going out and going to the Army, going to GE. They ended up settling here and he always thought, you know, well, my dad was a lawyer and I really liked the law. I remember my mom telling me these stories when I was a kid. Like, yeah, yeah. Your dad had this friend that was a lawyer and he just, they, we used to have these dinner parties and they would just talk for hours. And I thought, you know, you need to go to law school. And he said, well, no, you can't. Once you leave, you can never go back. And mm. she called, my mom called the dean of Chase and, and said, can, is this true? Can you go back? And they said, sure you uh, can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have money? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so anyway funny um, how money works things out yeah right, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes okay come, come on in yeah well so he, <laughs> there's an open chair he did go back i'm sure he had to take the lsat or, uh, all over again yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff but he he went at night and and he started mm. at uh chase when it was still at the ymca downtown holy crap which, uh, then it had it was told by the aba you've got to affiliate with uh, a local okay. university so they went to xu and miami and uc and all and these places like, nope and it just ended up that this Northern Kentucky State College had this building that they were going to donate to the law school, and they were going to build the campus around it. Oh, wow. And that's what ended up happening. They gave them huh. a place and said, come on in. You can be here. And that's how uh, the, the law school that's is wild. now. I have you. never heard that story before. Yeah. And I've known a number of people that have gone through there. Yeah. That's cool. Well, the cool thing about Chase is that it always was sort of the practitioner's school. Mm. It was the night law school. So guys who were working during the day and wanted a law degree or wanted to be lawyers could go at night. And um, and that's exactly what I did. So I was a continuation mm. of a long line of people who had worked during the day yeah. and, and went mm. at night. And it was a fantastic environment. There were people who were in their 50s and 60s who were in my class. There were people in their early 20s. Mm-hmm. Now, I was a, about 30 and um, mm. had this, you know, I had, a, I had a day job. I was at I had actually gone into working for Sun Chemical, and here I am managing a team of about 100 people and uh, working very hard during the day to launch this 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 uh, SAP in a customer service environment, shared mm-hmm. business service center that was new for the company, but really going with the idea that I was going to get back into music. And the whole thing was, how do yeah. I get back to music? Yeah. You know, I, Right, I, always I the focus. I had to take some time to, to grow my family, uh, but... Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was all about how do I get back into it? You know, the whole time I've, I had a day job, I was just like everybody else who's out there working a day job mm-hmm. and gigging. I was not only gigging as a musician, but I was toning my chops as a live sound engineer. And I was doing things like when Mind Ignition would have a multi-camera shoot at the Madison Theater, I'd be the guy up on a scaffold holding a camera trying to nice. help them capture some stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. And they were they were looking at doing, you know, what a lot of people, I think, are doing these days is trying to capture a live video of the shows and and help the bands that they were working with mm-hmm. when they were doing their albums. They were thinking, well, how do we do video? How do we do live video? All the same stuff that we're talking about now. And as technology yeah. makes that stuff easier, it's it's just going to become more and more a part of every mm-hmm. band's sure. world. Oh, absolutely. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's that's kind of what brought me to the past, you know, really the past 10 years. It's, yeah been a lot of uh trial and and tribulation and going you know when life throws you a curveball you gotta i used to sail when i was growing up so you know the when the wind is coming straight at you you've got to go at a 45 degree angle uh-huh, to uh-huh. it and then you gotta <laughs> and, and we raced uh, sailboats interesting um so trying to get there the fastest and make the fewest mistakes uh-huh. uh Work that's with what is coming at you yeah mm-hmm. which is all lessons for life and and it's it's sort of when life throws you a curveball you got to figure out what you're going to do next and mm-hmm. and that's literally been every step of the way yeah. in trying to be a better musician a better sound guy a better mm-hmm. recording engineer a uh, better lawyer mm-hmm. and there is a reason they call it practice uh-huh. so yeah you know, yeah right i bet um and as we said when when we were talking just before we started the podcast this this idea that when i was in law school i didn't know how all these concepts I was learning were going to play out in the real world. Oh, and sure. not only did how I not you, know yeah. how to practice law, so to speak, as a, as a law student, um, the idea that being out in the world and everything's changing, it's just mm-hmm. constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, I mean, hell, I, I think I was in law school when I first joined Facebook. And okay, yeah. now, you know, the youngsters aren't even really on Facebook. No. Which not, is wild. Because so for me... Or they'll was, have an account, but just... Uh, because it's like the thing that you got to have that part of your social media portfolio. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I talk to kids in high school um, now, and a lot of them are Instagram only. Mm. You know, not, they're not. Which is owned yeah. by Facebook, so trips well, on them. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it, yeah. In this industry, the music, entertainment, I mean, it, the technology, you know, being a sound guy and a, and a musician, the technology and. Everything's changing constantly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we're we're building this studio here down down in our basement here, and I feel like you know we'll b- purchase something, learn how to use it, and then it's like now it's old, and you're yeah, like, what? The, the next thing is coming I just, out, oh, but yeah. I just bought it like a month ago. <laughs> what What do you mean? You know, <laughs> like yeah. yeah, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Yeah, that that sort of arms race of like yeah. keeping up with the next uh, software version or the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, preamp, everything. It it's definitely impacted my recording, uh, and right. and I went for a while where I just really wanted to go as analog as I possibly could because I, I like didn't, going to tape and everything. Well, not so much getting that far to tape, but just instead of having a bunch of software plugins, having off outboard gear and and stuff that would work even if the computer failed. You know, stuff, sure stuff of that right. nature that right. Um, like my keyboard rig at home went from something with a ton of uh, software stuff to 
okay, I'm going to buy as many of these old hardware things, a yeah, Kurzweil I, I, I micro you. piano to a, a, you know, a Roland VK8M, which is a, a drawbar uh, yeah. thing yeah. so that I've got the organ sound without the, the software organ patch that I had I that might not work now, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. And what, like, so as you're, you know, as you're venturing out into law, and, and going through the schooling and, and all that, did, did you have at the forefront of your mind through that whole time, like, this is going to be, you know, music art related? I mean, I know you said, um, you know, uh, the discussion with Alex from Mind Ignition kind of inspired that. But, I mean, was we always have to do some kind of side hustle to make the real thing work, right? And I, I'm always interested to hear from people, like, what... What kept your kind of eye on the prize? Was there was your eye on the prize? Were you just improvising? You know, do you, you see, you feel me on this? Like, yeah, I think I've been improvising the whole way. Yeah, to to start off. Your but I also and I think life. a lot of stuff. <laughs> if you even if you don't want to admit it, you know, you yeah. end up. Look, I'm a drummer, and now I'm learning about plugging things in and microphones, and you yeah. know what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, tracking things get yeah. like you said, things get thrown at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, the funny thing is, I did go to law school with purely the intention of representing musicians. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've had to learn everything else. Yeah, and right. I, the very first thing I did was I, I started off volunteering uh, for the Legal Aid Society. Um, that was, one, like, right away I was trying to get experience mm-hmm. because I wanted to start my own firm for musicians. Mm, sure. But I knew that... I wouldn't be able to pay the bills if I didn't have any experience, but I wouldn't get the clients if I didn't have some yeah. experience. So it was like this it's whole like, catch 22 jump in. I didn't. And I, I remember talking to the director at the time and I said, you know, I, I just, I'm not sure that going to a, a law firm, first of all, we also have to back up and say that economically the, the economic world at the time had meant that there mm. was really a terrible market for, for lawyers. Yeah. So, I was going to say you were going and when things were, kind of right so taking a turn 2007 and then 2008 here i am you know my (laughs) the the fall of 2007 and then to see 2008 and the markets taking like oh there's no jobs i remember sitting in the parking lot of of uh sun chemical and having been in the financial service world Mm -hmm. with fidelity investments for a couple of years i'm sitting there listening on npr to the discussion about Bear Stearns going under oh boy. and Lehman Brothers and all of these things and, and yep. Tim Geithner and Bush and what would the next president would become Obama what mm. what would they do to try to stabilize this yeah. and here we are just shedding thousands of jobs in the financial like service daily. world daily it's yeah. wild. so things were falling apart from an economic standpoint and I had just committed to a massive amount of student <laughs> loans yeah. and you know in an industry that really uh, was very heavily hit. I mean, if you look and at honey, the- I want to help out musicians who don't have any money. Correct. <laughs> yeah. What the oh, hell shit, am the I doing? The economy just died. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. That's exactly. <laughs> and it. I just graduated. Awesome. Oh, good. Right. Oh, yeah. now the loans are due. Shit. I, oh my god. I, good times. Yeah, I remember telling people that uh, that I looked at the number of people who applied for a public defender job when I first graduated, and it was like three hundred people applied for like. 10 positions or something crazy. Oh, wow. So it was sort of like, look, if 300 people are competing for this one job, mm-hmm. it might be easier just to be one of the 300 lawyers out here trying to compete for that client mm-hmm. and just do what I've done, which is live 
in this gig economy hand to mouth and figure out how I can create my own firm. Yeah. Just keep building credibility with the Find people that people. know me. Yeah. No you know, shit. And wow. just literally keep grinding. That's yeah. wild. So it's so you graduated and basically started your own firm. Exactly. Yes. Dude, I like it. I like your style. <laughs> That's pretty ballsy. I mean, it, it's... Yeah, because yeah, isn't think it normally like you kind of eke your way and mm, get a job, you get in, and then you maybe one day open yeah. up. And you just went straight out. Like, I went straight I'm gonna out. I'm going to go for the client. Yes, that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It that's was, brilliant. Well, it's very ballsy. <laughs> my bank account, my bank account does not <laughs> agree, but that's okay. <laughs> so the one thing that that happened to me during law school was um, I I saw this huge uh, shift at the company where I worked. The CEO had stepped down, CFO moved up to CEO, lots of big changes. And I was in this position where I was answering to the director of, of the, the place where I was working, the Shared Business Service Center, mm-hmm. and who answered really to the C-level folks. Yeah. And she would bring me into these calls, and, and all of a sudden the names are changing and the faces are changing, and all of a sudden she was out of a job. Wow, no. And she was a fantastic boss, yeah. um, really excellent. I learned a lot from her. And I could just see the handwriting on the wall. Mm-hmm, there was, mm-hmm. there was just a shift, and the people who were loyal to her were kind of backburnered. And I remember being in law school, and I remember being told by a director um, at the day job, which I thought, well, maybe I'll just ride this day job for a while. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. being told, well, you are no longer in that training. You're no longer in that training. You're not going to have a job soon. Basically, she said, you have, you're going to law school, so you're going to leave. So I'm not going to put any more money into you. What's my yeah. return on investment? Right. And, right. and I thought, yep, well, yep. I could stay here and use those skills. Well, she didn't see it that way. Sure. So I was looking around, and it turned out that a judge in Claremont County, uh, Judge Walker, who had been on the bench for a long time, mm-hmm. was looking at retiring. And um, fantastic jurist, very fair, very smart, uh, mm-hmm. really educated guy, and, and really good at his job. He was really good. Um, he wanted a second-year night student at Chase to ride out the next two years of his term, and his bailiff was going to go down the hall so she could stay in the court system and retire with all the benefits and all the years that she had racked up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he needed a bailiff for a couple of years. So I ended up taking a huge huge pay cut yeah and i went out and i worked uh this this job out in claremont county where mm-hmm. everybody would walk to to lunch and i would sit with all these lawyers mm-hmm. i would sit with the sheriff would come in and sit down and have lunch with yeah. us his wife was a practicing lawyer she's now a domestic relations judge out there all these faces who then i got on really good terms with mm-hmm. and i remember one of them saying to me john if you want to practice solo if you want to go out on your own, you're used to living like a student now. The minute you go work huh. for a big salary at a big firm, if you can even find that job, mm-hmm. which there are none out there right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being told, John, this is the worst legal market I've seen in 40 years. Jesus. Yeah. Yep. It was terrible. It was terrible. Unreal. So just imagine this glut of lawyers on the market oh, and yeah. no jobs. Just and, scratching for whatever. And me, I'm like barely hanging on to this you know, bailiff God, job. Bailiff gig, yeah. Um, but... The idea was, look, if you're used to this now, the minute you go and get a job like that, the the golden handcuffs are going to be on you and you're not going to be able to let go of that because your lifestyle will be, you know, you'll shift. Yeah, you'll you'll be used to that. You'll be paying a mortgage or or have more bills or whatever Mm -hmm. that that Mm. will you'll require that salary and you won't be able to have that. 
that entrepreneurial shift. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, well, that's good to know. And at the time, uh, just pure coincidence, uh, when my boss was looking to retire and my job was no longer available, I had met several great people in the legal community out in Claremont County. So I felt like I had a really good group of mentors. Yeah. I had one semester left. I had to take the bar. And I had been talking to a lawyer whose whose son is, is a really big name in the music world. I, I hate to name drop these folks, but they really are people that mm-hmm. helped me. But Jim yeah. Hunt helped me out by introducing me to Gary Burbank. Jim Hunt is the current president of a charity called Play It Forward. Oh, yeah. Um, at the time, he was the secretary or the treasurer. I think he was the treasurer for the organization. But here he was, a practicing defense attorney whose son, Noah, sings for Kenny Wayne Shepherd, And um, that's... You know, a guy that I'd seen play at Stanley's back yeah. in the oh day. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, and, you know, Jim mm. turned and said, hey, you know, well, what do you want to do with this? And I said, well, I'd really like to be in music, and I'd love to talk to you about it. I know your son is, is you know, in the industry and mm. doing well. Um, I'm sure you you guys have seen some things that could I could learn from. Mm-hmm. But he said, well, I've, I've got one better. Why don't I introduce you to Gary Burbank and, and see if – Gary's interested in having you help us here with Play It Forward. And they were looking for an executive director. And they had a little bit of money to Mm kind of help me with a salary. Mm -hmm, Uh, It was mm -hmm. a very modest stipend, but it allowed me to have that uh, job that I could leave a job that was leaving me, really, um, and Mm -hmm. jump right into being the executive director of an organization that was aimed at helping musicians. Oh, that's wild, man. And it was just sort of a magical coincidence. I remember, uh, you know... Hearing uh, one of Gary's voices, Earl Pitts, you know, calling me and saying, mm-hmm. "John, welcome aboard." You know, <laughs> and I, I mean, here he is, this legend of of uh, the radio, yeah, and uh, comedy and music, a huge supporter of the arts, with a charity that really has a great mission. Play mm-hmm. it forward is all about helping the local musicians who are in times of catastrophic need. Yeah, um, obviously, we've all seen musicians who have spent. Hundreds of hours honing their their time and talent, their craft, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. becoming you know master's degree level musicians, but have no health insurance, yeah, right. have no safety net. And if and something bad happens, what do they do? What do you do? Yeah. Yep. And as Gary mm-hmm. used to say, all the money for the arts goes to the tutus and cummerbunds, <laughs> and not to the guys out there gigging every week. So yeah. what happens if a guitar player breaks his arm and can't gig? Yeah. And what do you do? How does he pay his rent? Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, how does he pay his medical bills? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. So that led me into um, really advocating for musicians' interests with this charity. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I did while I was there was create a program mm-hmm. where. Um, so first of all, let me back up and say they were really gracious to me. We threw a lot of events. <coughs> we raised raised some money for some folks. We mm-hmm. helped some folks out. But I was always kind of looking at how do we uh, aim this at the future of the mm-hmm. music world, not just sort of being the Aflac for the, the working been, musician yeah, and, yeah. you know, yeah, that, sure. that sort of safety net that we'll throw a bunch of money, we'll have a bunch of like concerts. always and, reacting. Yeah, yeah, it was very reactive and mm-hmm. not proactive. So when I hmm. um, was when I finished my last semester and then sat for the bar, um, they they were very gracious in that three month study period where I really was just twelve hours a day. Oh boy, studying. Uh, but then I I passed the bar, and I knew that I wanted to start my own firm right away. I mean, I was doing everything from hanging windows and doors with a buddy of mine to oh, washing dishes uh, at a local restaurant on the weekends where my wife was working as a waitress, just so that I could hear some live music 
get 50 bucks and a free meal and a couple of drinks and hang out with my wife on the weekends. Damn, you know, man. I mean, I was doing wow. everything just to kind of make ends meet. Um, and, and still gigging whenever I could and still running sound whenever I could and still doing anything I could to stay in it. Um, but really having a little base salary of, you know, a few hundred dollars a month from, from play it forward, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, really helped me bridge that gap. Yeah, man. Um, but then at a certain point when I had my law degree, I, <clears throat> I created a program with Chase Law students because the year after I started, they instituted a requirement where there were 50 hours of community service oh, wow. to graduate. And they called them the pro bono hours that you're sort of <coughs> obligated to, to, to give back I to the know, community. That's, that's really awesome. So it is really awesome. It's very cool. Um, but what I was able to do with it for the music community was create a program where I kind of had a skeleton PowerPoint with all the topics that I wanted to cover. I would have law students do research and fill in the PowerPoint as mm. their you know research and, and writing kind of requirement for the, the credit hours. But then we would go give a presentation in local recording studios. Mm. So we did one at Audio Grotto. We did one mm. at Ultra Suede. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Did one in a couple of smaller studios. Um, and the idea was the studio owner gets to meet a bunch of musicians. The musicians come in and get this information about copyrights, contracts, business law basics for the working musician, mm-hmm. when to call a lawyer, when to know what to say, yeah. and, you know, just pitfalls that just you might run into. That they wouldn't even, you know, yeah. necessarily think about. Yeah, they and, don't even know about it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. being the supervising attorney, I could make sure that the musician, that the students from the law school were not getting into unauthorized practice of law or uh. Advising people about their specific things, you know, not, not giving them bad, uh, bad legal advice. Well, it's mostly that they're not allowed to give any legal advice. Oh. Legal information is one thing, sure, sure. But they can't advise people because For, they're oh, not, your situation, you should totally uh, do this. Yeah. Oh, you lost all your money. So keeping Sorry. the students clear <laughs> right. of doing bad things, <laughs> but also you know giving them an opportunity to earn their credits. Given the studio an opportunity to meet new musicians, yeah. given everybody in the room an opportunity to have more knowledge mm-hmm, on the, mm-hmm. on the right. subject matter, uh, so that they could maybe be better equipped to, to make it a little further in the industry, mm-hmm. make a few more dollars. And really, when the, the rising tide comes in, it lifts all the boats. I'm a product of that. I mean, if the musicians have more money in their pockets, if they're working more, then they mm-hmm. can pay me to help them with yeah. other things. For new things that yeah. come out. Yeah. And new opportunities will right. come to those who are busy and gigging and working and doing, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out. Yeah. Um, so for a time there, licensing was uh, really a, a big thing. Everybody was talking about it, and I, I've I've dealt now with many licensing contracts. Yeah. Um, but there's still the traditional recording. Um, you know, there's a there's there's record labels that are forming all the time. In fact, yeah. we formed one last year uh, with Leroy Ellington. It's it's called Infinity Group Records. We've got four people who are uh, involved in the management of that, and we just signed our first uh, artist outside of Leroy. Leroy oh, released cool. a, a record with his band, The Sacred Hearts, mm-hmm. on Infinity Group, and then we're signing Robin Capsalis and Vintage Number no. 18. They are out of uh, D.C., the D.C. area, fantastic blues soul. Very cool. Um, Congratulations. So, thank you. Thank you very much. It's a new endeavor, but it's something that um, we're looking at. How do, we, how do we grow this and how do we do this right to navigate as a record label and be fair to the artists and recoup our investment in the studio time that we're going to spend the money on? Mm-hmm. And right. all of the things that that every 
artist and label is going through in this economy right yeah. now? How do we yeah. get them more plays? How do we get them on the right playlists? How do mm-hmm. we get them mm-hmm. uh, marketed the right way? Now, thankfully, we've got some folks on the team. Uh, we've got uh, Gina Hughes from the Galaxy Agency in Nashville, Tennessee, who's been marketing blues music for 19 plus years. Uh, I mean, she's someone who has has been managing and marketing music for a long time. Uh, but again, I think we're all, all of us, no matter what skill sets we, we bring to the table, we're all looking at this industry as an ever-changing, evolving beast and how do we navigate it. And mm-hmm. so everything I'm learning from that, I turn around and I, I give to the clients that come to me mm-hmm. when they're looking at, I want to start my own record label yeah. or I want to start my own recording studio mm-hmm. or I want to manage a band. I have this really great talent. I believe in them mm-hmm. and I want to take them far. How do I do that? Yeah. And I will say this contracts are the lifeblood of this industry. Mm-hmm. Agreements among the people are everything, Yeah. but you will always see, and I'm sure you guys have already seen this agreements are not always lived up to, or mm-hmm. they're, uh, even if the intentions are good, sometimes the capability of the people on the other side of the contract to deliver what they mm. say they're going to deliver yeah, is right. not quite there. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's know. a little aspirational yeah. uh, aspect to I it. I mean, yeah. in this industry, there's a lot of negative things that you can say about the music world, but there's a lot of good people who are trying to bring great art to the yeah, world. Just doing their best. And it doesn't always work out. Mm-hmm. So you got to know what to do right. in the. Crap hits the fan, and um, <laughs> yeah. you got you got to know where the 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 ripcord is for the parachute that you're oh, wearing. You know that's a good analogy. Um, yeah. So anyway, the the play it forward thing helped me launch the law firm. It really did. It, it helped me um, advocate for musicians' interests, and to go back to the congressional thing. I mean, advocating for healthcare and trying to get we yeah. got Mercy St. John to mm-hmm. to open up its doors uh, downtown to yeah. any working musician. The idea was to create a card kind of like. Health Alliance for Austin Musicians, oh, if you've sure. ever checked them out. Yeah, we right. were trying to do that for the Cincinnati area. Okay. Now, at that time, um, the Affordable Care Act was was put out um, and had a lot of opposition uh, mm-hmm. from the right wing in, in Congress. And having studied the law for, for four years in school and then having practiced it for a couple of years, I could see how day-to-day uh, a badly written law would have negative consequences all over the place. Sure. And... There are a lot of music-related federal law that needed updating and needs changing even to this day. Mm-hmm. Some things have gone through in the past couple of years that have, have potentially helped, but mm-hmm. we're not sure about the long-term effects yet because these things take a while to right. kind of yeah. percolate down oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. to the yeah. – See what the effect is, is going to sure. actually yeah. be. Yeah. But that whole thing led me to, to running for office because I thought, hey, somebody needs to – advocate for better and yeah. I, you know we don't necessarily need plumbers and and uh and architects writing laws right. unless they've really been through a lot of litigation and seen some laws yeah. that need to be changed yeah um you know so you wouldn't ask a plumber to do your heart surgery um and and <laughs> and that that unfortunately was sort of the the analogy that was being brought out sure, by the yeah. right wing it was like well the every man needs to be more represented and i i agree with that to a certain extent but i also think Folks who really know the law need to write better laws. Yeah, but look at the the actual landscape, right? It's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's a great aspiration, absolutely. But you definitely need the guides to make sure that the everyman isn't screwed over. Right. Yeah. Well, so that that led me to that congressional campaign, and and it's it's led me to kind of inform my political 
uh, beliefs. And and while we're not going to sort of de- delve into the politics, sure. I do think that the working musician is a really great example of somebody who is creative, mm-hmm. who could benefit from things like universal health care, where they you know, can, can actually be entrepreneurial. And if you believe in small business as, as sort of the engine of the economy, Mm -hmm. every band is a small business with a high degree of intellectual property. Yeah. And how do those bands go out and make it? Mm -hmm. And how are we going to have the next great wave of art? If our today's Michelangelo is working at McDonald's. Yeah. And can't, and can't leave. Yeah, exactly. Cause he's got kids and he's got, his kid has asthma and he needs to pay inhalers, you know? I mean, good Lord. I've, I've been there. I've driven to CVS and Clifton at four in the morning to try and get an inhaler for my daughter. Who's, who's out. And we're way out, you know, at the edge of of Anderson, almost to Claremont County. So, you know, you do what you have to do for your kids and, Mm -hmm. I, I, I kid you not, I, I know fantastic artists and musicians who are working the day jobs just because, well, that's my benefits, that's my yep. stability, that's Absolutely. I have no right. other safety net. Right. And think of what they could do if they had that leg up, even just so far as healthcare. Yeah. If they knew that healthcare was one thing yeah. that was off their plate, it would be huge. I feel like that's a mindset thing, you know? It's like... It, musicians, for better or for worse, they get this rap that like, oh, they're just pie in the sky, whatever. Like they don't, you know, they have, they lay they're they're not a and, quote unquote yeah. business. They're just, you know, they're out there. Oh, you're. We had um guest on a few weeks ago, uh, Wonky Tonk, and she was talking about, you know, what life is like during the grind, and she has all these people come, and she is on the road all the time. I mean, constantly. I, I love her so much. I know she's, she's been amazing. A client of mine, a friend of mine for a long oh, time. Oh, nice crossover. Re- yeah, really love her. Love her to death. So, but she's like she, you know, she's in some random town somewhere, and some, you know, person who's. Maybe had a few, or maybe even not. Like comes up to him and is like, "Oh, how do you like? You know, you're just up here singing." It's like, dude, you don't know all the steps it took for me right. to even be here. Like, yeah. But that's the perception, and that's something that yeah, I feel is a real uphill battle that you're. Fighting. Yeah, I mean, the, the musician that lays around on the couch is is a musician that doesn't have any gigs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's not a working musician. No, that that's exactly like, right. Are I, you fucking kidding me? I, you know what I mean? I've, like, I've known a lot of musicians, and I represent a lot of them, and I've yeah. not seen. Any of them who are out there gigging no or lazy, about. Mm-hmm. yeah, not you none can't of them. be, you can't, not not today, not not no. not, not no. today. And I mean, yeah, if you want to do anything, you know, outside of like you know just some small club gigs or whatever. I mean, if if you're out there grinding it and touring and playing, there's no way you're a lazy person. No. It, it can't happen. It's a twenty four seven job, yeah. and, yep. and Jasmine right. Wonky Tonk is a is a great yes. constant communication, yeah. planting seeds, I mean, the whole thing, and everything on her social media is. It, there's always something to see. I right. always I see know. her out there, and, and she's like, "Oh, what? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about." It's like whatever. You, <laughs> well, but I mean, it also becomes it. such a part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it it can be a, a, a fantastically rewarding job. Um, but I, it is kind of who she is. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not just a job. It's, it's her life. It's, and that's, yeah. that's really, I think yeah. the artist, when we, when we get right down to it, the artist that speaks for our time, that the artist that, that communicates our culture to the world is living it and breathing it and being it 24 hours a day. And so mm-hmm. it's not, I think everybody is really 
uh, attuned to the hypocrites or the or the um, not the genuine, you know, the phonies. Yeah, the and, fakers. And yeah. you can see it really clearly. Like somebody like Jasmine is out there just doing it all the time. Mm-hmm. And the photos that she posts on Instagram are because she's in every single town. And yep. and I mean, mm-hmm. she can sing that song. Uh, that Johnny Cash sang, you know, I've been everywhere, man. Yeah, I mean, yes, she's, yes, she, she can. <laughs> she's she's going to be able to sing that with authority, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Uh-huh. And uh, and I, I think that's, I don't know if you guys ever read Bob Lefsetz, but I've been a subscriber of the Lefsetz letter for a long time. He's an industry No, I know. Uh, Not guy. familiar. I, I'll have to send you some stuff. Lefsetz. Um, yeah, Bob Lefsetz. He's, uh, he writes a, a blog, and it comes out via email, um, and he's he's always writing. But he's he's got some great ideas, and um, not only does he have great ideas, but he's talking to a lot of great people. And mm-hmm. um, but he really advocates for the artist as a as a cultural representative. Mm. And um, and there's you know he talks about the superficiality of the industry, but he also talks about the folks that really are you know doing what Jasmine is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those are the people that I really try to represent, and I really try and stay in tune with the industry on that level from from the California to the New York to the mm-hmm. Nashville mm-hmm. to L.A. to yeah. Austin, mm-hmm. all the places, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. all the places where things are happening. I've got contacts, and I try to uh, help people connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. probably over and above law or music or anything else I do. I think one of the things that I do well is connect people yeah. to other people that are doing yeah. like things mm-hmm. and that uh, that relationship that the relationship building between the network is really um it's really helpful really beneficial and it's the stuff that i do like that that helps benefit somebody like jasmine mm-hmm. and she's right. out there living the artist life yeah being the artist 24 hours a day mm-hmm. and she's the person that we should all be looking to and saying how do we promote her yeah, because absolutely. she's our yeah. culture and yeah here, here. and so yeah. many artists in cincinnati i mean we we touched on how many great you know artists are in town that just you just never hear of or or for whatever yeah. reason they just yeah i think that's true in every town there's great musicians everywhere and it's like but the question is how can you get connected like, right what are the steps yeah you know? And what I mean, what would you say to that? Like, let's kind of shift into more of the the law, marketing, Q and A section of our yeah, podcast our here. Emails. You know, um, I, you know what, what would be your? How would you? Because I, I know, like, you, there is no one answer, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in art and music. I mean, there's a thousand different personalities. You know what I mean? Like, in just. A small community mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so but what would be a practical step um for someone trying to take their career to the next level yeah well <clears throat> let me let me refine that to kind of cincinnati just for a sure. second go so, ahead yeah so cincinnati is just like miami was in many respects in that you know it it is a it's the it's the biggest small town you're ever going to find. You know what I mean? It's the it's the southernmost northern city. It's the northernmost southern city. Right, right. It's the westernmost Appalachian or East Coast city. Yeah, and it's, yeah, yeah. It's sort of the easternmost west western <laughs> city. You know what I mean? We're all we're really, all those crossroads analogies. Yeah, we really are. Uh, but we we are a big small town, and yeah. there are people sitting at this table. You know, you all of your network probably covers 
a huge net yeah, of this town. And yeah. and not only do you guys have, have a lot of combined overlap, but then the things that the guys and gals that I know who are out there doing stuff, we're all we're all overlapping. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. even just in this podcast, we've talked about a, a, quite a few people. Yeah. And I think, number one, the first thing that you can do if you're a musician in this town is, is network with people and continue to hone your craft. There's no amount of training or education or learning that can be done that will take away your talent. Mm -hmm. So if you are out there and you are a working Ah. musician, there's no way that more study or more effort or more practice is going to take away that inspiration or that magic that you, that you may have felt. And that was something I had to learn a lot because when I first started out, I didn't want to be in any kind of cover band. I didn't want to, I wanted to write my own music and I wanted to play my own songs Mm -hmm. and I wanted to be my own voice. I wanted Mm -hmm. to be the artist, but you, you don't necessarily know how to convey the art unless you know what a one, four, five is, or you know, two, five, one, you, you've (laughs) got to know some theory. You've got to know music. If you're a musician, you've got to know acting. If you're an actor, you've got to know how to, how to, how to pose if you're a model. Yeah. I mean, and that's something I, I've really learned just in the past 10 years is working with models and actors. Mm-hmm. There is so much to each of those things. It's not just the photographer and a pretty girl. It's right. how, how do you express something in a pose right. that is meaningful or whatever. Yeah. Um, and how there's technique. So always work on your technique, but also work on your relationships. And, and Cincinnati is the kind of town where you don't really want to be burning bridges because you're going to end up having to cross that, uh, that bridge yeah. really quickly, mm-hmm. you know? So trying to be uh, on the scene, know who the mm-hmm. people are, know mm-hmm. who's doing what, while honing your craft and trying to find the people who can be on your team. Mm-hmm. Building mm-hmm. a team is really important. If you read, uh, there's a book by um, uh, Donald Passman, uh, it's everything you need to know about the music business. Fantastic book. Mm-hmm. If you haven't gotten it, uh, get it. It's it's the Donald sort of, Passman. Donald Passman. He's okay. like the godfather of entertainment law. He is, okay. uh, he is right. the guru. I give that book out a lot to my oh, clients. Wow. Okay. Um, so I've I've there now. I think it's now it's in tenth edition. Um, Damn. I mean, I should have an Amazon link on the you know, underneath <laughs> this whole thing. But anyway, um, th- that's a great book. But in the very first chapter, it talks about how you need a team if you're going to be successful. You yeah. need an accountant. You need a lawyer. You need a manager. Mm-hmm. You may need several types of managers, a personal manager, a business manager, uh, all of these things if you're going to be a successful artist. And if what he says about his book is that if you want to do it all yourself, read every page. And if you don't, then find your accountant, find your lawyer, find mm-hmm. whoever, make sure they read the section about them yeah. and make sure that you have this on your shelf and it looks cool. You know? <laughs> but the, the right. point is yeah. build your team. And, and I would say that as a Cincinnati artist, if you want to be successful, you, you've got to kind of get out of whatever bunker you're in. If you're a Northside person and you think the world revolves around Northside, you got to remember that there's great music happening in Anderson too. And yeah. there's so many people who are downtown in OTR who don't want to go to Miamisburg or where, you know what I mean? Or they, wherever. They, yeah. Or even across yeah. the fucking river. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 exactly. Seriously. And so, Down yeah. to Covington or Newport or, the, yeah. or, or Ludlow or wherever. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Like if you forget that Ludlow is there, you are missing out on yeah, this man. huge folk yeah, scene. That, that right? comes up often yeah. on this podcast. It really does. <laughs> Shout out Ludlow. We love yeah. you always. Yeah. All y'all. Catfish all and the y'all. whole crew. Yeah. All, yeah. Yeah. 
So I, I guess that's really important. That's, that's one of the starting points. And then, um, truthfully, trying to find out about um, things that you don't know about the industry. So, for example, that Play It Forward um, event that we used to have, the, the education uh, seminar series that we were doing – you know, come talk to someone like me. Um, I mean, I, I've said this to a lot of people. A 10-minute call to me for free could save you tens of thousands of dollars later. Wow. You know, and you would never leave your home yeah. with a $3,000 PRS and just strap it into your front seat. Well, maybe Mike Reader might do that with, <laughs> with, some, with some vintage axe. But, like, the thing is, yeah. you you would never leave home with without a case on your guitar. So right. why would you right. go out on the road without having an entertainment lawyer to protect your investment yeah, in your time and, and talent and make energy. a misstep or get you know preyed upon honestly yeah you know? it's so easy i've had people come to me and say oh i i thought this contract looked okay it was a management deal and, <laughs> and it, it's not exclusive so and it, it it seems like it's all right so if you could just take a look at it for five seconds and in the first five seconds You're i like, see oh no they own your name and likeness right, and anything Jesus. you do into a microphone yeah. for the next five years you know you don't want to put yourself in that position right because great right. art gets stifled by those kinds of deals and that's the the traditional horror story of the industry i think that there's a lot of evolution that has gone on and, yeah. and there's there's a lot of indie record labels and there's a lot of folks like us with our with our infinity group where we're really trying to be artist friendly and say look we're yeah. we're trying to help promote your art we're not trying to own it forever and ever and amen suck you dry yeah. and and i think that's that's there's a huge shift in, in the industry, but there are still plenty of, of labels who have not found a way to make any money without owning the yeah, stuff yeah, they yeah. record. So, yeah. so there's, there's a trade-off, you know, and I've, I've had some young artists come to me and say, well, look, I know this, this, this giant contract from this major, major label, it owns everything. It owns my merch. It owns everything. It's a 360 degree deal. It, it just basically owns me, but I want to be on their rocket ship. And I know that mm -hmm. that rocket ship is going to take me to fame and that fame is going to be something I'm going to be able to parlay into a career that I wouldn't ordinarily have. And sometimes people make that decision. Yeah. You know, and, and it's individual in everybody's sure. circumstance. Sure. Yeah. I'm not right. sure I would always advocate that. In fact, <clears throat> most of the time I tell people that they can do it. I, I'll never forget. I had, I had a guy move here from Winter Park, Florida because I told him that the contract he was about to sign was was not long-term in his best interest. Mm -hmm. I said, you can find studio time here for free or, or cheap, or you know, you, you can hone your craft in gigs here. You can gig really frequently in this market, mm -hmm. and you can live with a lower cost of living, and you can find musicians, mm -hmm. and you can form a band, and you don't have to. Right. This is not the only way. Yeah, this is not your only choice. He moved here and did exactly that. Form, nice. Formed a band, found a great bunch of people, worked with a bunch of local studios, performed a bunch of great shows, uh, played some of the bigger festivals, ended up playing Midpoint, played played a bunch of mm -hmm. a bunch of great stages, mm -hmm. ended up moving out to Portland oh, and has cool. a band, the, the entire band up and uprooted and went out Damn. there. So, I mean, just a really interesting story. And um, there's, there's a lot of folks out there doing it and I, I, I don't know. I love this town. I really do. I, I, I deep love for Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And you mm -hmm. see guys who are, who are amazing horn players who are gigging like it's 1956 and they're in Harlem, you know what I mean? Or the Bronx or whatever. When, when, when jazz is like coming up, like they're gigging three times in a weekend and, you know, 
two of them are on Saturday and, mm-hmm. and they've got, you know, two other gigs that week and they've got a teaching job and they've yep. got whatever. And there are not a lot of towns where you can do that as a yeah. sax player. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so I think that's yeah really cool. Yeah. You know, one of the things that's always blown me away about this town, and I mean, you know, I musically I grew up here. You know, I didn't literally grow up here, but, you know, musically. Mm-hmm. Um, started playing gigs very young in Cincinnati. And um, what's always blown me away is <laughs> not just the fact that you can go out and hear music almost every single night of the week. Mm-hmm. Usually for free. Right, but... You can hear original music mm-hmm. almost at every club. You know what I mean? I mean, it's not to say that there isn't cover bands, and, and we love those cover bands, and oh, yeah. that's that's a cool thing, too. I've done that kind of work, and I, I love it. But, like, what a unique thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, the, the, the amount of original music that comes out of this city on a weekly basis mm-hmm. is insane, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I play with artists, you know, that do... Uh, three-hour sets and 90 80 90% of the set is original music yeah, all that, the time that's phenomenal yeah it really is right now I will say this having traveled a little bit I do run into towns um, <laughs> where there's there's a pocket of greatness in every town I mean absolutely there really is there's there's the world is so full of tremendously talented musicians I just think Cincinnati at this particular point in history has uh, a certain magic happening with things and and it, what you're seeing as far as original music and the gigging sax players and horn players uh that are that are I mean so it's like every every instrument it's not just your typical four piece yeah, rock right, band it's right. you know there's there's just a lot of creativity there's DJs and and um and and rap artists and and so much stuff that's happening here that's sort of like yeah. still a little bit underground and um you know we're not as big of a scene as say Atlanta or or even really Austin as far as you know being known for our music and mm-hmm. uh, but there's so many people who are punching way above our weight class oh, yeah. and it's oh, yeah. it's really it's really incredible and as far as original music is concerned i mean just to give another shout out to the bluebirds i mean those guys um they've i consider them all friends and mentors but they're guys in in you know each one of them is in a mul- multitude of bands mm-hmm. and one of them i think it was bam told me a while ago that you know when when you play your music you know, eventually the people that are coming to see you, they they don't even know if it's yours or not. They just like that song, yep, and, yep. and they you like know, you. Might yeah. as well just play your stuff until you know. <laughs> now he plays everybody else's stuff too, but mm-hmm. um, and he does it in such a great way that when he throws out a tune of his, I mean, his songs are requested just as much as any Stevie Wonder tune mm-hmm. at a, at a Bluebird yeah. show. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and and that's. That's a testament to him, but also this scene and 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 really a guide for those coming up. Don't be afraid of doing the cover band show, but having a couple of your tunes in there, yes, right? And and you know always keep pushing your stuff because I think there's plenty of people in this industry who can do a lot of different things, but the song is still kind of king. I mean, if you write a great song, that could transform your life. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. And you may right. have a host of issues to deal with later. Maybe you're, you, you're sick of playing your quote unquote Hotel California. You sure, know. sure. But worry about that when it comes. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
keep writing those great songs because that's that's the lifeblood of this industry. But it's also the lifeblood of the artist. It communicates our culture and it carries the message beyond time and space. I think music, to quote Stevie Wonder, you know, music is a language we all understand. And that doesn't matter yeah. where you're from. Uh, right. Living in Italy, there are musicians who I played with who are playing American songs mm-hmm. uh, like Jackson Brown and, and uh, you know, the Beatles from... from Obviously, not American songs, but but just English stuff yeah, that's sure. that's uh, translating uh, even in towns where nobody speaks English. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Right. So, I was in Rome in a club a couple of years ago, and the the whole there was this American guy tenor saxophone doing his thing, and the whole you know rest of the group was Italian. They didn't know how to talk to each other per se with the the language, mm-hmm. but. You know, they know how to. They're gonna do done. the downbeat. They know how to talk to each other musically. Oh, and yeah. There's no I problems. Yeah, you know? I love that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Now, one thing, just for those of these listeners out there who might be thinking, "Hey, how do I get a gig over there?" Um, there's a whole network of people who are doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'd love to help with that if people are, are interested. But the other thing is, if you're going to work internationally, um, you know, just a a, a little. Shout out to sort of the Nashville uh, chordal system. If mm-hmm. you if you know how to call out chord systems b- based on the numbers, uh, obviously a lot of musicians do that. But um, overseas, they they use kind of the the names from solfage, which is the solfage system is kind of do re mi fa sol la ti do, oh, right? Okay. But okay. Um, whereas um, in in our system, there, there's a fixed and a movable dough, if you will. Like the one is is a we, when you're talking about the Nashville system and you're talking about numbers, um, you know the the one is in that key, right? Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. they they use do re me fa so la ti do. So mm-hmm. in in Italy, if you're going just if you're going out there to, you're not calling out numbers one, four, and five. You're you're calling out dough. Dough, yeah. Do, okay. Re, stuff so really so that's a cool huh. tip so take a take a look at solfage if you haven't uh if solfage it, yeah now th- there's some music school kids out there who are like all right shut up john this yeah is basic stuff but <laughs> but for those of you that aren't music school yeah, kids yeah, and are interested yeah. in going so, yeah. there hell yeah, yeah that's right, great yeah. that's so cool yeah man this has been a really fascinating conversation i gotta say i mean this yes is, sir you you are i i knew you were a cool dude i did not know you were like international man of mystery so. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah baby that's my bag that's right. <laughs> john yeah. where um yeah where can people get a hold of you where can people find you what are some upcoming projects i know you've got some really cool things mm-hmm. coming up speak on that for a minute well First of all, I want to say to anybody who is like, man, I tuned in for, for actual legal advice. Uh, you can find me very easily. I'm, I'm around. And uh, apologies for those of you who really wanted an in-depth discussion about copyright. I'm happy to talk to you about copyrights, contracts, trademarks, whatever it is that mm-hmm. you're facing. Uh, and you can find me, jasalegal.com, or you can find me uh, on Facebook, John Scheel, or Instagram, uh, or you can call my phone number, 474-6666. Uh, I, I managed to get a number that you could just hit one nice. of. Nice. Uh, so it was, it was a <laughs> local is, Anderson that's a, that's exchange. a win right there. Yeah. It was wild. I, I started the practice in my house. So I yeah. I, um, I had the 474 exchange because that that's like the local Anderson. Yep. There's mm-hmm. 231, 232, and 474 mm-hmm. for those of you Anderson people. Yep. Um, so 474-6666 has been my law firm number for mm. 
eight and a half You're years. Hanging on to that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that'll if you don't get me right away, uh, do leave a message and I will get mm-hmm. back to you. It's you know it goes straight to a Google Voice. So if I'm in court or dealing with another client, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, tons mm-hmm. of people shoot me notes on Facebook, uh, and the other thing is I'm going to be uh, doing some stuff on Inhaler Radio. Um, that's coming up. We're going to launch uh, my show will be a Sunday through Wednesday show in the nine o'clock hour. So if you are interested in some funky, cool jams and some local musicians thrown in with the working gigging funk of the modern era, um, you're going to hear some fantastic stuff. That's nine to 11 on Inhaler Radio. One quick uh, pause what, for those that don't know. What is Inhaler Radio? Inhaler Radio is a streaming radio service. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is not a terrestrial radio, uh, but you can download the app for free, and you mm-hmm. can stream it on your phones, mm-hmm. and you can get it on your computers. And it's really pretty cool. Uh, so Corin Stetter uh, helped found Inhaler, mm-hmm. and it was right after uh, WNKU went off the oh, air. R.I.P. Yes, so what sad. a tragedy. Um, so in, when they went off the air, Corin came to me and said, Hey, how do we, how do we do this? How do we go and, and take that same thing and bring it out into the world? Coming to you for legal advice. Yes. Essentially, yeah. yeah. So, uh, he did a lot of the, the, the legwork all mm-hmm. on his own, but found some really great people to help build that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I've come in now a couple of years later and, uh, said, Hey guys, uh, I've been doing this MC thing for, for, with all of my shows and, and I've kind of been not DJing from a spinning standpoint, mm-hmm. yeah. but, but playlist DJing yeah. uh, for, for my, my little stage uh, out in Anderson and uh, doing, doing some stuff with weddings and events. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of people came up to me and said, listen, you've got a great voice for radio. Well, here's my chance to kind of play some great music, but also uh, talk about some, some musicians minute mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. You know, if I could create and, and that my goal really is to take kind of the 92nd naturalist, uh, that 90 seconds nice. where they're talking about the environment and animals and whatnot. And mm-hmm. Thane Maynard in the zoo, Cincinnati zoo are Love amazing it. for yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. if I could do that, my goal is to kind of create a 92nd little piece for for each of these topics like that we want to yeah. talk about, mm-hmm. so copyrights and contracts and and stuff stuff that I've seen from this week in in Cincinnati music or this week yeah. in the gigging the life of the gigging musician that's super and, hip. and stuff yeah. that would help people. Uh, so I hope musicians tune in. I hope uh, I hope just general fans of of music and funk and folk and yeah. all the the cool stuff that we'll be playing. We'll When's be it going to be on again? That's going to be Sunday through Wednesday, mm-hmm. nine to eleven. Okay. Sunday through Wednesday, Probably. nine to eleven. Yeah, yeah. radio. Yeah. Now they are a uh, they have a, a format during the day, and they've kind of given me free reign to to break out of the format a little bit. So they have a lot of really cool stuff that they play, but it is aimed at that college market, uh, a lot like sure. WNKU and a lot sure. like the indie radio stations. But I know that the stuff that I'm going to play is not stuff you're going to hear from the seven to seven. So I'm I'm being a little outside of that. They're giving me the fringe. That's awesome. I'm going to be the funk fringe. That's so cool. Uh, so I'm going to be playing things like Freak Bass and the Motet and uh, Galactic and 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 Wonky Tonk. All uh, you know, all stuff. all the all just from all your friends. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be cool. <laughs> Very cool. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope uh, we will hear some Crystal Peterson and. Oh, uh, you will. Yeah, it's coming. Get so, ready. So I. I know I talk a lot, and I know that I've I've covered 
my life, and I don't know if anyone is going to be interested in hearing any of this kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, if you guys have a question that you haven't, we haven't covered, or if there is something that is on your minds from a standpoint from legal uh, or business or recording or playing or band leading or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Okay. What about, um, what's the easiest way or, you know, maybe the most streamlined way or the most beneficial way, whatever. What What's the best way to um, copyright songs, intellectual property, you know, poem, a novel, a song? What, what, what What's the best way for me to do that? Fastest, <clears throat> easiest is the actually the most legit. So mm, that's don't, good. do not, do not listen to the myths about mailing yourself stuff. Just go on the web and go to copyright.gov. And get yourself an account. Um, you will then be able to create a, a fast and easy system for every work that you create, whether it be a poem or a song or a, a piece mm. of visual art. Um, the the eco system, it's electronic copyright uh, system through copyright.gov, is just really easy to use. And I've walked so many people through it. It's mm. really simple. So the filing fees for a single author... Uh, work are about 35 bucks and if it's multiple authors it's like 50 55 um those things per uh sorry to interrupt but is that like per song that's per upload so if you you have an entire if you have an album if you've got 20 songs if you've got 100 songs and you've never copyrighted them put them in that one you go 35 bucks if you're a single single author or right. if it's more than now, you know, if it's multiple. If it's, a, if it's a band, it's a fifty fifty five right. dollar. I think, I think, but it's, it's not 55. like fifty five bucks a song. Is no, no, no. It's, it's fifty one it's, filing that, that, fee. Yeah, for grouping okay. of authors. Okay. So if you've got a hundred songs with your band, and you put all the authors on there, it's one filing fee, and you can upload them all, and they'll wow. take your MP threes, they'll take a waveform, they'll take AIF files, they'll take. Is it simple endless. to use for it's, people? Because I'm horrible. With computers, right? It is Being a technology really, don't work I mean, that's well. why we say this every time. That's why we have Jeff, our, our <laughs> yes. miracle sound man. Because yeah, thanks, otherwise, so is it, yeah. we would not exist. Right. So is it? Is it like, you know, user-friendly? Is it, it is very user-friendly. Do you somebody to get help, or what, what do you think? Here's the thing. There are terms that you're going to run into that you may not understand, but there's a ton of hyperlinks that will open up a PDF file where you can read a really well-worded basic page or two about that topic so you can understand what you're doing as you're doing it. And if you can't get through it, well, call me because I've done it a ton of times Mm -hmm. and I'm happy to to walk anybody through it. It really is a a pretty user-friendly system. And there's a big reward to doing that. If someone does infringe upon you uh, and your, your artwork, you there's a statutory rate for infringements, but there's also the ability to sue for attorney's fees. And that's one little tip that I think everybody needs to understand. If you go out there and you find out that somebody has been infringing your Mm -hmm. song, or Mm -hmm. if they're, they're out there performing your tune uh, and you then register, you can only sue them for the amount that they have earned from the infringement. Mm -hmm. And they, you cannot sue them for attorney's fees as well. Mm -hmm. So then you're throwing, kind of good money after bad you're yeah, yeah. you're hiring an attorney paying you know uh an expensive hourly rate that you're never gonna refill yeah yeah and mm-hmm. instead if you have 
filed that and done your due diligence front end, from yeah. the front end, mm-hmm. uh, then you're protecting yourself. And, you know, the harder they fight, then the more they have to pay your lawyer oh, to, that's to cover it. Damn, man. So, that's yeah. a hot take. Yeah, it's it's really important. I mean, you really need to protect yourself. If you are writing regularly, you should make it a part of your regular business practice to upload your stuff for copyright. Okay. So everybody has a cost of doing business, whether it be your lawyer or your Duke bill. Okay. Mm. And you should just think about your your copyright fees as a part of your business. Absolutely. Or then don't fucking do it. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah, Right. One clarifying question. So it's like, okay, you know, my band has all these songs uploaded already. So is there, if you go in again and it's like, okay, now we have a new album, do you have to pay that fee again? Or is it you're in, you're good? Each one is kind of a shopping cart. Each upload. Each submission. Yeah. You pay by submission. Yeah. Now, think about that. If you're you're somebody who writes with a lot of artists, I had Mm -hmm. uh, one blues artist come to me a few years ago and he had. 13 songs on the record and five were with this group and three were with that group mm-hmm. and spliced a up. bunch of you know a bunch of them were with these two guys and only one had this one dude sure so every grouping of authors was a different filing fee who okay. so it can get expensive All if right. you're trying to put out an album and you've got a million different writers because uh, each one then is a different filing fee okay. but again it's just part of your budgetary process and and I will say this. One of the things that, that I've really been able to do for bands over the past few years is really come up with a streamlined business plan for how to budget for these kinds of things. Mm-hmm, and sure. I've got some Excel spreadsheets and I've got some some things that you can fill in for yourself that really can help you guide your business planning. Everybody mm-hmm. needs a business plan. And when you're putting together a business, you need to have kind of a business entity. If two people go out and decide to cut grass for a living together, mm-hmm. right? They're going to just go out and make a few bucks in the summertime mm-hmm. cutting grass. And they're, they're, you know, my mom's going to give me 35 bucks and your mom's going to give me 35 bucks. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, but they're sharing in this enterprise for profit. Mm-hmm. That's just the same thing as if you and me decide to go play a gig for money. Sure. So that, I, absolutely. Yeah. That is by law. The Ohio law, anyway, uh, defines you as a general partnership. So there's partnership rules that are written in the law in the Ohio Revised Code that you may not even be aware of. And all of a sudden you're saying, well, the band broke up. Who owns the PA? Mm-hmm. Well, the Ohio law governs that stuff if you never wrote anything down. Yeah. So think about those wow. things from the beginning and think about how to plan for the end. And, you know, one of the one of the other factors in me becoming a lawyer was – Look, I think I'm going to have to work until I die. I don't think that there's going to be a day where I'm going to retire and (laughs) kick back and do nothing. So what can I do when I'm 80 years old and I can be still making an income? Mm -hmm. Well, being a greeter at Walmart is one thing, but I've seen some old dudes doddering around the courthouse. And, you know, I I think that's one of the reasons why I thought, well, this is a life skill that I'll be able to use for the rest of my life. Right. So that that think about the end. Uh, when you're at the beginning, I mean, if you can, it's it's Keep one start thing. with the end in mind. That's like yeah. we had a guy in here. Uh, yeah, six was talking six, about that. Think yeah. about the end first, and yep. then work back. Yeah, it really it really is helpful. I mean, at the same time, and I'm I'm just gonna throw this analogy out there. Every time you you're just sort of on the scene meeting people, and you've got a skill set, and you you want to uh, you want to talk to this drummer about maybe being in your band, and 
you know, you don't necessarily walk in and talk about what happens after the third album drops. You yeah. know, that's like walking up to a girl at the bar and saying, well, when our third kid is born, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're never going to well, get to right. first base if yeah. you if you don't have the vibe, if, the, if you can't date and hang yeah, out yeah, and yeah, make yeah. a song together, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, so don't let that stuff get in the way. But at the same time, if you're serious about this, if you're serious about your craft, you should be serious about your business planning. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in your business planning, you should... Just like I have continuing legal education credit, you should be trying to hone your, your skills. You should be trying to learn. So there should be a certain amount of budgeted towards things like, you know, the, the podcasts that are maybe cost a little bit of money, but give you a ton of educational value. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. things out there like Masterclass, which is kind of a Netflix with, you know, it's got Ron right. Howard teaching you right. how to direct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You like, to pay a few bucks. Yeah. The knowledge is worth it. It's it's worth it sometimes to have those Masterclasses. It's mm-hmm. worth it sometimes to, to continue, you know, growing and learning and, and paying a little bit for it. And, you know, you got to think about it. Uh, Bob Weir has talked about pay for the things that you love. Yeah. You know, if Mm -hmm. you love it, if you love music, you should pay for it. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't, if you're part of this economy, don't go out there and, and pirate stuff, you know? I mean, I pay for premium Spotify uh, for me and my family just because I know that it helps give back, but it's also a killer to have on my phone, you know, a ton of music. Uh, and I, I know, I believe me, I know the arguments Spotify for and against. Um, the streaming services are, um, they don't pay very much. If you are on that fringe element of music, they pay a ton to the to the folks that get millions and millions and millions right. of streams. But yeah. 0.0037 cents per stream is not a lot. But at the same time, if you want to be a gigging musician, you know, pick one of them. And, and subscribe because you're yeah. helping everybody and um, yeah and people got to find you somewhere right right yeah I mean yeah. it's a it's a double edged sword it's mm-hmm. right the economy that we're in you've right. got to you've you've kind of got to play all positions you've got to do everything you've got to wear all the hats in your business you've got to know how to market yourself you've got to know how to sell your product you've got to be able to produce your product you've, you which know, goes back to that team aspect you got to f- find your team yes absolutely. Like, and I think that goes back to, you know, talking about practical steps. I mean, we had Joe Mascherette on a few months ago, and he was talking about, you know, even though he gigs all the time, when he's in town he'll and he's not playing a show, he'll go out to you right. know, a show he wants to see. Yeah, so you got to support. you got to support. you got to yeah. see those people. you got to, you know, have the human contact in order to, yeah. you know, further that goal. Well, and I will say this to the community. I hear you, and I'm coming out to listen to you. Uh, I've been I've been kind of behind a stage for the past three years, around oh, yeah. about 390 shows in the past. Not uh, saying that that's you know that that in your own way that you can do it, you know, right? Right. Everybody's coming from a different. Yeah, place. but it's it's wild because my my stage was one where I was I was standing there uh, running sound and listening to the acts that we were booking and 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 working with folks. Um, but it was it was a it was a market for that that venue and that community and you know there's a ton of stuff that I haven't heard yet of people <coughs> who have been out there uh, who created their band a year ago a year a year or two ago and so uh, it's never too late you know everybody's mm-hmm. got to go out and jump in and I'm I'm looking forward to that in 2020 that's that's a big goal of mine is to kind of get out there and so if you are out there and you're listening to this podcast and you want me to feature your music on Inhaler <coughs> Radio. Or if you want me to see your show, let me know. Drop me a note. I, I want to go out and check out everybody. And the more that I can help this community, the more it helps me. Uh, yeah. So sure. I'm, I'm all about it. 
Uh, yeah, man. <coughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. So awesome. Well, John, I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, we thanks really for being here, it. man. This we has appreciate been awesome, time. eye-opening. Um, tell us one more time, you know, J. Arthur, Arthur Scheel, um yeah, attorneys, give us that. It's J. Arthur Scheel and Associates. Info. I'm out, you know, my office is out uh, sort of Beachmont and 275, just because that's kind of equidistant to the two courthouses where I practice law uh, most. And I still show up for, for the DUIs and divorces and, and uh, civil litigation, all that sort of stuff. You know, that's my that's a sort of my side hustle for the music. You sure. know, I, I've got to keep uh, the bills paid just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. But um, that where I'm at, uh, while it seems sort of the edge of the world for somebody in Northside, is um, is really <coughs> convenient for me where my kids go to school and where, where I'm able to get to court. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Claremont, Brown, and, and Hamilton counties. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm right next to, uh, there's a Butterbee's out there. I'm in this little CMC building right next to it. Um, but, uh, you know, you can find me, J-A-S-A Legal. Mm-hmm. You can find me on Facebook, John Scheel, S-H-E-I-L. You can look up J. Arthur Scheel and Associates. If you like my law firm page, you will get a lot of tips on, on stuff. I oh, have cool. been a little lax about posting lately. Uh, just the past couple of years, I've been really busy with a, with a particular enterprise. But uh, that that stage and, and that stuff, uh, I, I plan on posting more as I create this Musician's Minute for Inhaler. Yeah. And, um, but I've got stuff on my on my Facebook page uh, talking about the right kind of Owens Corning stuff to put in your studio. Nice. The ri- you know, the right, uh, what happens to a handheld microphone when you cup the, the ball and, you know, where the EQ curve goes. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's tons of things like... Uh, that I'll repost from people like Nick Rodina, who's an amazing sound engineer. Oh, yeah. He's got that Sound Nerds Unite uh, mm-hmm. page. And I'll repost his stuff or, uh, you know, folks folks I know from CCM and uh, you guys, you know, I, I'll yeah. repost your stuff. So I, I try to have that uh, Facebook page be informative and um, not a lot of commentary from me, uh, but a, a whole lot of info for the, the working musician awesome. uh, it's really it's really geared towards that because that's that's who i market to every one of you out there who who may be a gigging working musician you still have a life you still have a job you still may have an employment situation or a, or a, a divorce or, mm-hmm. a, or or even a will or an estate I, you know i'm doing a lot of estate planning these mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. and everybody needs to think about that to, yeah. to, to go end back to what mind. we said <laughs> keep that end in mind i mean it's yep. it's really important i mean everybody's gonna have kids and and grow up at some point and everybody's gonna pass on their legacy and hopefully you've created a body of work with your art uh, that you can have uh, as a legacy for your children and your children's children. And think about it. The copyright law is 70 years. Pl- uh, it's the life of the author wow. plus 70 years. Um, plus, they say whatever Mickey wants uh, after that. Because <laughs> truthfully, the copyright law has been updated a couple times uh, based on uh, lobbying from folks like Disney who want to wow. see Mickey stay in copyright. So That's wild. Um, so, yeah, there's th- that's that goes back to the whole aspect of – what we do is governed by federal law. Um, the the intellectual property protections that we have in this country are good, but they're not great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, quick tip, if you are somebody who's already in the licensing game and you, you want to uh, make, make a bunch of money from what you do, try and get into movies because movies, if you, if you can get a song in a movie and it's got international play, 
you will do better financially from the international market than the national market huh. because European copyright schemes are different yeah, than ours, right. yeah. and okay. uh, they're they're more beneficial. There's a ton of that information, and, and I feel like we've only barely scratched the surface of it. But, there's just so much, but it really is. There's a deep, deep pool out there, yeah. and um, there's there's folks out there um, from ASCAP and BMI and CSAC. Um, that are speaking at conferences for lawyers and the American Bar Association and uh, writing books about it. Uh, Music, Money, and Success by Rich and Tom uh, Brabeck. Uh, they're, um, both of them have been bigwigs at either ASCAP or BMI. I, I may be uh, misquoting their resumes a little bit, but it's a great book. There's a lot of really great books out there. There's a lot of great podcasts. There's a lot of great information. And if I can be a guide or a help or a connector in any way to any of you folks out there listening. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah. And um, I, I really appreciate being on this podcast. I hope I haven't talked over you all no, too no. much. No, no, no. Talked great, too great, much. Man. Just yeah. what we wanted, my but, friend. Uh, That's what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's just yeah. a ton out there. And I, I really I respect the hell out of you guys for putting this thing together and bringing in great people. Um, thank you. Thank I you get much. something out of it every time I listen and admittedly haven't listened to as many as I want to, uh, but I will and uh, I'll be tuning in. So hopefully this thing continues and grows. And, and yeah. if I can help any one of your guests, you let me know. I will Amen. I think some of our previous guests should be hitting you up. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Well, some of <laughs> them already have. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much again. Yes, really, really you. appreciate so it. Much. And DP, if you want to tell everybody where uh, they can find us. You can find this episode and every episode and all kinds of other fun things that we do on easymojobaby.com. Mm-hmm. Please like, share, subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. Right. If you didn't think it was five stars, then, then contact then us keep privately. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> It was yes. all my fault. <laughs> all the bad stuff was me. All the good stuff was them. Oh, <laughs> man. All right. Yeah. Well, once again, we have John Shield with us today. Thank, Thank you, you all so much we for really listening. It, man. And we will see you all next time on the Easy Mojo Podcast. That's right.